And uh, you know, it's that song that Garrett just sung, Fear is a Liar, it's a crazy thing, but as I was sitting there getting ready, I had this overwhelming feeling that I was going to just get up here and cry. Is that fearful or what? I thought, did you, <laughs> you were going to cry or I was going to cry? Oh, <laughs> so I had to take, uh, I just want to acknowledge that because I'm telling you what, that's, that's how the enemy works. It's like, I was just sitting there and he's like, oh man, let me get up there and cry. And I thought, what for? Why would I cry, right? I guess so. I could cry for happiness or sadness, but. Uh, Happy that Bree showed up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So uh, fear of failure. You know, and I, I tell you guys this. <clears throat> when I teach up here, I, I'm teaching to myself, you know, and uh, you guys just get to come along. And so Fear of failure, it's a crazy thing, but f- from my past, it, going way back to when I was a kid, it was really interesting. This morning, I was, as I was putting uh, notes together, I was watching a, a documentary on uh, World War II. And uh, um, as I was watching it, and they were showing the island campaigns, I thought, oh my gosh, my dad's battleship, he was literally there, uh, shelling the Tinian, the Solomon Islands. I mean, he was right there. And I thought, wow, it's interesting, because... Because the starting, you know, and, th- and this is kind of the, uh, the part of this as we go through this. I don't want you to hear one aspect of my dad because he had a lot of good aspects. But uh, for him, he came from the, the greatest generation. You know what I'm saying? He was uh, the guy that went to war, this whole generation that went to war and came back and just went to work. You know, and so uh, his technique for, for I guess, and <clears throat> we had to talk about this, but wanting me to be a successful young man was to, you know, he, he was very critical. I mean, e- even if I did it right, it was wrong. So, you know, as, as you as you move forward in your life, uh, for me, what it what it taught me was, hey, you don't want to fail. You know, and it created a fear of failure. And it was really, really interesting because there's this guy I was talking to the other day, and he looks like. He, are you guys familiar with the Rock'em Sock'em robots? I mean, if you're older, you. And they have that square head and that square. He looks like a rock'em sock'em robot, right? And his past is really uh, unique. He was growing up. He grew up poor. He uh, uh, there was a movie called uh, Fight Club. He that's what he did to make money. You know, he fought it, uh, to make money. Joined the military. Was part of the 10th Mountain Division. A grunt. Uh, ended up in prison for 10 years. Just a real rough guy. And uh, so I, I uh, was talking to him, and I said, hey, I said, uh, when, you look, when you look deep into your heart and all the noise is gone, I said, uh, do, you, do you feel failure? And it was so crazy because <clears throat> when he looked at me, he was like, do you know, like a face can transform? He looked like a little kid, and he was like, yeah. You know, and I thought, wow, this big, tough, rough guy, if you if – you, if you part all the nonsense of life away, you know, he has a fear of failure. And I, I said, well, I said, what have, you, what have you done to overcome that? I said, what, what's changed? And he's like, oh, life beat it out of me, you know. And I thought, oh, that's interesting, you know. And he's a Christian now. Um, but, uh, but today I just want to talk about <coughs> fear of failure. Excuse me, my voice is cracking a little bit. How do I use this again? (laughs) 
Turn it on. I'm already failing out of the gate here. All right. Fear of failure. <clears throat> okay, and, uh, we're going to start. So there's a fear of failure, and I just wanted to talk about fear real quick. Because, you know, just, uh, and we'll talk about the, the mechanics of fear. Uh, but, but fear can be uh, paralyzing, and, uh, um, man, it can turn your legs into spaghetti. It can be, and it can immobilize you. And, you know, there's the, uh, the whole uh, psychological. Remember when uh, some of you were here when we went over uh, anger? And you see how nutty people get? And I was telling you the mechanics of it is that the amygdala, this little teeny part of your brain, instead of all the rest, it, the thought and the reason, the little teeny part takes over. Well, it's the same with fear. If, you, if, if you're in a situation where you become fearful, that little part of your brain takes over. Instead of the thought, the reason, the logic, it's that little part that gears you up for, for fight or flight. And uh, it was really interesting because in my life, there's been different events that created fear. And uh, this one event, as I was thinking about this, really hit me. I was on a CH-53 Super Sea Stallion. You guys know what that is? It's the most crashingest helicopter the Marine Corps has. You, you probably are familiar with that, right? Probably a few have crashed on the base that we were at. Uh, it is a crashing uh, helicopter. And it was funny because this buddy of mine, every time we'd get on one, he'd, he'd look at me and go, right, right. Our odds are going up. You know, for the helicopter to crash, you know. And so we climbed, we flew in uh, to Cyprus. Um, we flew into Cyprus and climbed on the CH-53. We took off. We're flying uh, to a uh, helicopter that's off the coast of Beirut, Lebanon. And I see the, uh, the uh, door gunner, and his eyes are all bugged out. And he's like, and here's something I want to tell you guys. Have you ever seen the movies where the helicopter, people are in a helicopter, and they're talking to each other? We're going to land at Jurassic Park in five minutes. <laughs> when you're on a helicopter, you, don't, you can't hear nothing. You can't hear Jack. Jack? Where's Jack at? <laughs> and uh, so I see, I see the, you know, talking, and then I watch the Marines, and all their, they're all, like, bugging out, and I'm thinking, what is going on? And because, uh, uh, you know, we're not flying into Beirut. We're flying onto a, a carrier to head in. And uh, then it, it gets to me, you know. Our hydraulics are going out. Get ready for a water landing, you know, which translation is crashing into the ocean, which is <laughs> translation. And I know you guys have seen this. You're like eating your breakfast and it'll say, Marine helicopter crashes, thir you know, 32 Marines die or 28 drowned. Or, you know, you, you hear it all the time, right? So I'm sitting there, I'm like, great, you know, because the helicopter now, it's flying real low over the water. And, I, and it's weird, because as soon as that fear hits you, my legs, they feel like noodles, right? And you're, you're like, <laughs> you're, and, and it just takes over. It just, you know, and it took me a second to think, okay, I, and I got my pack on. It's a combat pack. It's loaded with, with uh, ammo, with everything. So I unclick that, and I get ready, really, to just drown in the ocean on the way to the USS Okinawa, you know, and fear's powerful. That's, that's the kind of fear that just takes the breath out of us. And, uh, um, and Charles Stanley, I love his, his analogy of fear. Have you guys ever heard what Charles says? Did, did I get a name out of him? Oh, 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 uh. <laughs> We crashed, everyone drowned. I swam to the... 
Yeah, yeah, obviously, you know. <laughs> so they, so they help. So we're we're going along, you know, and we're going along, and I'm I'm waiting for the end, you know, how you're like, Lord, okay, I'll never, sorry for that, and <laughs> promise I will never drink, and, you know, if you'll just save us, you know, <laughs> kind of like that movie, the end. Okay, maybe I'll still drink, but I'll, you know, light cussing. Uh, <laughs> And the helicopter landed on the USS Okinawa, and we all got out, and it was just like, oh, thank God. And here's what I, what you say to the, so we get out of the helicopter, and we, and it, like a couple days later, we're getting ready to head back, to fly into the beach there in Beirut, and there's a Lance Corporal on top, and I think it's the same one, and he yells down to the gun, he's like, hey, the bling of a dolly, something's messed up. And this gunny's sitting there, and he's looking at the helicopter. He's like, oh, it'll make it to the beach and back. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, obviously, there's legit fear, right? You know, fear of heights or fear of... And what I want to talk about today is the, is the fear that hits us uh, from the enemy. This is what goes on, you know, fight or flight uh, response uh, when we have fear. Um, it was probably a month ago, Kaylee came into the house at about 3 o'clock at night. She's supposed to be over at her school, not at the house. And uh, um, I heard the front door open. And it's funny because uh, I jumped up, you know, not fully awake, and uh, just headed to the front door, you know, just in my Grundy's, ready, you know. <laughs> and I remember it was funny because Kaylee's yelling, what were you yelling? Dad, you need your daughter skinny. Yeah, so she's yelling that. All I see is a skinny crackhead with an ice pick, <laughs> you know. And, and, and eventually it, it gets through into my head that it's Kaylee, and I'm like, what are you, you, know, what are you doing here? And then after that I thought, my gosh, we're, you know, because you, you always think, oh, I'll grab a gun. I'm going to, you know, oh, I'm going to come running at the, and I was like, and I said to Annie, I said, that's weird. I didn't even think about a weapon. Fight or flight, that's what we go into, that little part of our brain, that little, that little piece just takes over immediately when we're, when we're confronted. That's why in the military they teach you uh, uh, redundancy over and over and over and over. You train over and over because when it does happen, you have to, you have to react, right? You have to react Im immediately. You can't think it through. You can't think about, my legs feel like noodles. You, you know, that whole deal, you have to... It, you have to respond immediately, and that's kind of what understanding the word is. And this is, I love this in John where he says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. And that's, that is what really what our main weapon is over fear is. Is truth, and you think about the fact that really, when you look at failure, you know, first part of this will be fear, second part will be failure. But if we're going to fail, that's where you fail when you fail to accept the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. That is failure, you know. Um, so we know that that Jesus came full of grace and truth, right? How many? You know what? Let me do this. How many in here have a feel have a fear of failure? Everyone, there's not somebody in here who's like, I don't. I'm like John Wayne. 
Isn't that weird? It, you know, I used to just think that this was like my story and I owned this until I would ask different people at different walks of life and I thought, oh my gosh, you robbed me of my story, <laughs> right? We all have it. So then I started thinking, well, what's universal about it? Well, we got an enemy, you know, that's, that, that robs from us. And this is where when we talk about grace and truth, this is what we have to implant into our brains and understand and know, uh, oh, you guys saw this last week, right? So what's the first thing you think when you see this again? You're like, saw that last week. <laughs> Redundancy, right? And I think it's so important whenever we feel that, uh, uh, that part of us that goes, oh, I've heard this, saw this last week, that, that uh, as Dr. Charles Stanley would say, is listen, listen, because this is important. And, and we know that Jesus came in grace, uh, grace, grace and truth and he talks about the enemy here he says the thief comes to steal kill and destroy i came that they may have life and have it abundantly and see you, you know when you look at abundance in your life he's not talking like well man you got a you know wallet full of money and a cool car and uh he's talking about the quality of your life you know that that you walk in truth and you walk in grace and that that you're not fearful and that you're not rocked and that you can go through uh, trials in life, but you have peace through that trial. And I think it's, you know, when I look at redundancy, I think I was telling Pastor Rich this. Uh, I was a combat engineer in the Marine Corps, which just translates really to an educated grunt, right? And, but part of our MOS is, is landmine warfare, booby traps, this whole other aspect. And uh, we would go over like a standard minefield, how to put in a, a standard minefield. And then they even had something called the hasty minefield, which is just a quick one. But you had to, you had to maintain a map of where these landmines go. And uh, <clears throat> we studied all the time. And it would get to, you know, like when, you, like when you're sitting in here and, and the pastor is going to preach on something, you're like, oh, I've heard this before. It's the same in there. I think, oh, my gosh, how many times can you study standard minefield layouts, right? Well, it's a whole different world when you get sent down to Gitmo Bay, Cuba, because guess what? We've got standard minefields all around that, that Marine and Navy base there. And I'm supposed to be the expert, right? And it's like, okay, you guys are going to go out and walk the minefields and inspect the mines. And I'm telling you what, it gets real important right then when you start thinking, oh, man, I, I know I've studied this stuff, but your mind's blank and you're thinking, what? Well, row A, where is row A? You know, they, you have a map, and it's like upside down, and the guy's like, give me that. <clears throat> it's the same with when Jesus is saying, hey, the thief comes to steal. You know, he's coming to steal. And last week, I think you talked about what he's stealing. He's stealing all the fruits of the Spirit. He's stealing your peace, your joy, your love. He's getting you all caught up in fear and the garbage of life. So you can't walk in that that supernatural peace. You can't, you can't be like when, when Peter saw Jesus walking through the storm and he said, hey, can I walk too? He's like, come on. You know, and Peter was doing great, right? Peter was killing it, right? Tell what? Tell he started looking at the storm and that's how we are. That's who we are. <clears throat> the devil, <clears throat> have you guys, have I, is this like a, one of these I've done before, isn't it? Almost like I just am recycling an old one, huh? <laughs> no. 
Okay, just checking. The devil is the father of lies, right? This is so true. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar, the father of lies. We just listened to that song. And I'm telling you, it is interesting how you can be with somebody and see how they can be trapped in a lie that you know is right from the pit of hell. You know, and what's the weapon we use? Truth, right? I think Jesus said it somewhere. He said, it, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall... Man, why is it so hard to get a hold of that, right? Came in grace and truth. We struggle with that because we have an enemy that lies to us. <clears throat> there was a guy that works for us. He's a was an excellent uh, drywall framer and drywall guy. He, uh, uh, one evening, uh, he was at his house. His wife was preparing. They were getting ready to go to bed. And uh, he just reaches over on the nightstand, grabs his pistol, and shoots himself in the head. You know? And it's just like, what in the world? What causes a guy? And I, you, you know, what, what, what brings a guy to a place where that's like a logical thing to do you know well if you understand the enemy and you understand that he comes to steal he has to steal first you got to let him steal once he starts stealing your peace and your joy and and that aspect of your life that does make sense to you because then he can murder you and you you're the one who does it you know it's really weird uh, my grandfather at age 54 went out into his shed and shot himself with a shotgun and I remember when I got to 54, I was scared, like, oh, my gosh, I hope I don't do that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, like, is that a DNA thing or is that, you know what I'm saying? Well, it's not. It's an enemy thing. And it's understanding uh, that, that the enemy is a liar, you know. And that's why I love that song because and there's even a video. I'm sure you guys have seen the video. It's a great video. And it shows these different places that these people are and their thought patterns and believing and this, this, I love the scripture. This is, this is Peter that writes this, right? You remember, and we're going we're gonna to take a look at Peter as we get into this, but you remember that scene where uh, basically Jesus is going, hey, this is what's going to happen. You know, and Peter, you know, he's the rock, he's loud. He's like, there ain't no, you know, that ain't happening to you. And Jesus is like, hey, listen, get behind me, Satan, because he's speaking against what Jesus came to do. And then, and then he even has to say, hey, Peter, man, you better wake up, you know, because the enemy wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to bring a smackdown on you, you know. And so when you, when, you, uh, when you understand what Peter went through and you see where he ended up, this is such an excellent scripture. He says, be alert and of sober mind. And, you know, obviously he's not talking about this kind of sober mind. He's like, hey, understand you have an enemy, right? understand you've got somebody that wants to steal kill and destroy the enemy or devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour did you was this a scripture used last week I, I, re I referenced it you referenced it and remember what the pastor said the lion doesn't sneak up on the gazelle you know and you see like you watch da, 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 da. what is that that's national geographic you're watching the lion sneaking out and you see the gazelle and you're like oh man he's gonna jump out and scare that gazelle oh you know and the gazelle jerks like that like a fainting goat bah! and and then the lion's like i got you 
you know, walks off. No, it comes to devour, and that's what the enemy wants to do, wants to wreck our lives. Got to go back to that scripture. Jesus says, I came to give you life abundantly. Abundance, man, right? The enemy, <laughs> enemy stands, wants to stand between you and God's truth, grace and truth. For God has not given us, and this is where I, I talk to you, like red flags, red flags. If you're laying around in fear, you, you know this, you understand the scripture, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. If you're laying around in fear, what does that mean? Anyone? Yeah, your, your, your eyes are on the storm. You're doing that Peter thing, you know, you're wanting to march out, but you're sinking because you're looking at the storm. You know, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Well, you like, there's different versions, sound mind or discipline. Which one do you guys like? Come on, what's wrong with the discipline one? Yeah, we've been given a, a spirit of not of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, you know? So that is the red flag. That's why I say if you're laying around in fear, and there's a lot of things that can make you fearful in this world, in there? It's a lot of stuff. And that's why, you know, I, was, I think a while back I was saying I try to, I try to stay away from, from talk news because I get angry, or I get, no, here's the path. You start hearing the stuff, first thing, then you get fearful, then you get angry, right? Fearful and angry. It's no good. It's caustic. So this is, I love this story, and I, I know I've told you guys a story, and I know you've probably read it a million times. It's the story of Elijah, right? And I'm sure you guys have probably just currently read this or thought about it or some preacher was preaching it. This is a great story of when Elijah, God sends Elijah to speak to Israel, and, and he gets before him and he says, hey, I'm, I, I've got a challenge. We're going to do a challenge against uh, uh, the priest of, of Baal. And uh, um, he's like, here's the challenge. We're going to get up here. We're going to set up this altar, and we're going to see what God speaks, the God of Baal or the God of Israel. And uh, so those priests, are, they're into it. They're like, it's a challenge. It's like one of those big wrestling events, you know. So they're, you know, uh, Elijah says, you guys start. So they get up there, and they've, they're like doing their incantations and marching around and carrying on and, and uh, calling on their... Their God, and Elijah even starts mocking him, going, well, maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's having a snack. You know, he's carrying on. They start whipping themselves, and nothing happens, right? Then Elijah steps up, and he says to Israel, he says, today, you guys choose who you're going to follow, the God of Israel or this nonsense right here. And then he prays to God, and he calls down, calls down fire. And when you read it, you know it has to be Super impressive because when it strikes the altar uh, and explodes, everyone that was standing there thinking, well, I don't know, okay, I'm gonna, who am I going to? As soon as it hits, their faces are in the dirt and they're screaming, we choose God, we choose God, we choose God. <laughs> and you're like, wow, that had to be impressive, you know. And you're thinking as you read this, you're like, man, that guy, what a prophet of God, you know, that he could roll into this town and, and that relationship with God is so good. And then, as you read forward here, you know, and Ahab was a weak king. You know, you, you know how you read in the kings, it's like, and this king was a, was a jerk, and this king was evil, and this king. And Ahab was one of those ones that, that uh, was spineless and weak. 
and uh, his wife Jezebel uh, sends a messenger, and, it, and the messenger basically says to uh, Elijah, it says, hey, listen, what you did, what you did to, to my priest of Baal, it's going to happen to you in like 24 hours, kind of like that in the olden days. We're going to say 24 hours, you're going to get yours. You know, we're going to meet out in the, and, and I, when I, re- I remember the very first time I read this, because my mind's thinking, you know, like, oh, if I was Elijah, how would I deal with that? I'd be like, you tell Jezebel. I'm coming to her house. You tell Jezebel, hell's coming. You know what I'm saying? Something real cool and like like you're going to march on some, I don't know, something awesome like that would be epic. And I'm like, what? It says right here, it says, and then Elijah was afraid and then he ran. Ran. I mean, this guy was running. This was like no, like a marathon. He was running and, and I was reading different versions of and some of this like, no, he was just frustrated. And it's like, well, if you're frustrated, why are you running? You know what I'm saying? If you're, and you're frustrated, why wouldn't you stop in Judah? Because the king there would have protected. He ran through Judah. He had a, like his helper. I'm sure they had to be in good shape. He's like, you stay here. He keeps running. And he runs out into the desert. He keeps running until finally he's just wore out and he flops over and he goes, I'm done. And what's, what's awesome about this is, is how God, if you continue reading the story, how God pursues him and says, come on, Elijah, you know, come on, you know, get out of here. He, was, he ended up hiding in a cave, and God sustained him through uh, crazy birds bringing food to him and whatnot. But it's that fear, and I thought, wow, that is us. You know, we, there have been so many people that have done such great things for God that have, have you know, experienced an epic fail and that's what we're talking about the fear of failure or failure and i you know last night i was talking to annie and i said i'm like how many how many people that have that god has used in this book were had epic fails right and we just started going through naming and then you i think you tried to name one not this one i was like oh yeah that one fell you know and it's just unbelievable that you know, our book is written, that God wrote this book to us to show us that, hey, this is, this is part of the human condition. This is part of life, and you are going to fail. And failure, you know, the, the, the fail part doesn't define who you are. Oh, wait, oh. And there you go. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you all. Just remember all that stuff. <laughs> James, uh, we're back on just, we're, do I control it or do you control it? There you go. That's we're experiencing some technical failures. <laughs> Thanks for putting that in there for me. Failure. Okay, here's the definition of failure. Failure, a lack of success in doing something. Failure, the, the fact of not doing something you should have, failure, confirmation that you are unworthy and do not measure up. Is that what you guys feel in deep down inside that when, when I say, do you, do you feel like a failure? Do you feel, is that what you feel like you just don't measure up? Or is it just me? <laughs> Sue, Sue, you and me? So uh, years ago when I first started uh, when I got out of the military and I started my business, it was really weird. Every morning, 
I would wake up and I, I felt like this op oppression of failure over the top of me, like my business was going to fail. And I would go out and I would do all the things I had to do and about noon or one o'clock, uh, I would start feeling, I'd feel it kind of lift off me and I'd feel like, okay, I got this. I'm, I'm going to be okay. Next morning, like clockwork, it was like the failure demon would show up and go, you're going to fail. You know, and I'd be like, I know. You know, it just, it was on me. And so I was talking to this pastor and I said to him, I said, hey, you know, I said, it's really weird. I wake up in the morning and uh, I said, it's oppressive. I feel like I'm a failure. And he was doing something, and he turns and he looks at me and goes, well, you are. And I remember just for that moment, I was like, what? You're not supposed to. And he's like, yeah, yeah, outside of Christ, you're a failure. And then he turned back to, to what he was doing, and I thought, oh, my gosh, he's right. You know. Then he turned back and said, outside of Christ, you'll fail everyone. You'll fail your family, your wife, your, you know. And I thought, wow, that is interesting. I'm going to have to ponder on that. You know, and then, you know, obviously years later, I understood what he's talking about. He's talking about truth. He's talking about the enemy. And uh, um, and and then moving forward, I didn't, you know, I really didn't understand how deep that lie was in me. And I developed this technique, and I'm sure you've, have you guys heard of Cortez? I don't even know if I spelled that right. Did I spell that right, Cortez? It's spelled right. <laughs> Cortez, uh, they landed down in Central America or South America, and uh, he unloaded all his troops. They were going to go look for gold, and uh, he, uh, once everyone was unloaded and they had all their supplies and they were headed for gold, he told his men, look back, and the ships were burning. And, uh, of course, they're like, what in the world? And he's like, yeah, we don't, <laughs> we don't have one way, and that's forward. And... Uh, um, it's really weird because I remember this moment. I was trying to get a sprinkler guy because I didn't know Mark, right? I'm calling these guys. Yeah, I'll be there at 5 o'clock. We'll meet. We'll look at your sprinkler. 5 o'clock would come or 1700, depending on the times. Uh, nobody would show up. Nobody would show up. And so I'm looking at the sprinkler system and all these valves, right? There was like 100 of them maybe in this box. <laughs> And I'm just looking at him, and I just thought about this thing, and I thought, what did, it was like, instead of like, what would Jesus do? It was like, what would Cortez do? Marched over to my garage, and I don't know if you tried to catch me when I was going to do this, because it was like a phase I went through. Had the saw-saw, right? <laughs> just cut all them things off, right? I mean, it was like a manly thing. Yeah! I was like hollering and carrying on. Then I'm sitting there, I'm looking at all these valves I've just cut off my sprinkling system I'm like I'm committed now you know what I'm saying we're gonna get this thing done and uh, it, it was a, a technique I implemented and still kind of to an extent implement it uh, but but I use truth now you, you know uh, and here's the reality of 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 life we're gonna we're going to fail, right? We are going to fail. We're going to fail. We're going to, we're going to fail. But that doesn't define who we are, right? That was my struggle. You, you know, you look at here, our failures teach us what we do not know, not who we are. Can you really grab a hold of that? 
Can you let that sink down into that part of your heart, part of your mind that the enemy attacks and says, don't forget, you're a failure. Do you guys know this historian right here, Frode? Neither do I, but it's a good quote. The worth of a man must be measured by his life, not his failure under a singular and particular trial. You know, I think, I can't remember, somebody, maybe it was my, somebody was saying to me like, oh, you're a good man. I was like, oh my gosh, I was such a horse's butt when I was young. Can I say that in church? Because <laughs> uh, that's truth, you know, that's truth. And it's, it, thank God for Jesus Christ and thank God for men he's put in my life to help me realize, you know, that, that my worth isn't in, and uh, uh, tied up in a singular moment of failure, uh, because that is that is life is is these experiences of failure that we go through. I have a nice little uh, deal here. The fear of failure has many people in neutral or paralyzed or playing the game of cover up. We consciously or subconsciously ignore our sins and failures because to admit them is to admit failure, and that's a plague worse than death. There's a, I was down at this uh, place where my brother was getting his truck built. He's got an old 56 truck, and, and some of you guys know the story. He, he uh, has had it for years, and uh, he was building it himself, and then he got cancer. And it was like the kind of cancer where it's like, oh, you have, you're on your way out. So he sent it down to this place to get built. And I stopped in there. I was talking to the guy, and he was like, I read a book about a Navy SEAL. It's called The Speed of Responsibility. I was like, great, that's an awesome book. You guys, have you guys ever read it? We can't talk about it right now. but uh, So he has a guy working for him, and uh, the guy uh, walks over to some kind of tool, puts uh, the equipment in it, and commences to break the tool, right? Then he does one of these, look left, look right. And then he you know, kind of ease away from the tool. <laughs> so... Uh, then, then it's the typical thing in a shop. Hey, the, who broke this thing? Cricket, cricket, cricket. Come on, somebody had to break the lick. The thing still has a cricket, cricket. So they have a little uh, monitoring system. You know, they turn it on. They see the, oh, there, there's old Jojo heading over. Broke the machine. You know, breaks the machine, and of course, it's like that thing. You're, you're, oh, you know. Well, then it's like, hey, hey Jojo, did you break the machine? No, I would let you know right away for sure. <laughs> then they they play the video, you know they got the video. It's like, oh who's that? You know, and he's like, he's like looking at the video. Hmm, I don't know. Not me. It's like, well, there's like five guys here. Two are like short with beards, you know. It, it's like obvious, right? And he's like looking. Hmm, ah, hold on. Getting up close. No. That's not me. He's like completely resistant to taking responsibility, right? And I thought, oh my gosh, as I was listening to that story, I thought, oh, that's, I don't want Amory to hear this, but man, I could be a donkey like that. You know what I'm saying? Because to admit it really down in deep, you know, yeah, you broke a, a piece of equipment, but deeper than that, you just validated that you're a failure, right? I'm a failure. Broke the stinking machine, obviously. You can't run a machine. You break them. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. 
People often refuse to tackle a job or take on responsibility for fear of failure. People believe if they fail, they are no good. See, that, that's, for me, that's personal. I kind of link that, that no good, you know, that failure, your worth, your self-worth, you know, instead of going, wow, I just broke a stink. Hey, I just broke the stinking machine. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they think failure means you are a bad person and you are a failure. I can just grab that. That just came right out of my heart. In fact, I just made that up right now. But as previously mentioned, most of the great leaders in Scripture at some time in their careers experienced some sort of failure. Man, and it's amazing how much, how much, you know, like, you know, reading King David, when you start off with King David, you're like, oh, this guy's awesome, right? He's rolling, you know, out there t choking out a lion. He's got a bear and a reverse Nelson, and you're like, this guy's awesome. He, he goes to be, uh, goes to give his brother some bread and stuff. It's like, yeah, there's giants out here. He's mocking God's army. Everyone's scared of him. David's like, not me, man. I'll step up. I'll do this old cowboy in. You know what I'm saying? Then the, the epic scene where he's out there, he's like little, and there's Goliath all just beefcaked out, ripping biceps, and he's got his spear, and he's like, who sends this little punk out here to do a man's job? David's like, hey, I'm not here for me. I'm here for the God of Israel. You, you know what I'm saying? And then, boom, whacks him in the head with the rock. He runs over, grabs. This is the worst death for a warrior. Your own weapon, right? His head comes off. He holds it up. Yeah! Everyone's screaming. It's just like this awesome, epic moment in the Bible. Then you think it's going to be like, and then he was the best king ever in Israel, and everything was so awesome, you know? But then you go forward, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this guy's a, what a turd. You know what I'm saying? And the stuff that he did and the nonsense that he was involved in and the way he was raising his kid and he murders one of his good, you know, his mighty men. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But, but I'm like, that is God's grace for us to go, yeah, this is life. You know, this is real life. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Is that true? And guess what? And here's the crazy part. And you can fail in Christ Jesus who strengthens you. And it doesn't have to label who you are or what you are. You can fail. You know, I think some people use this as kind of like a magical incantation. You know, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Like somehow you, you won't fail. But life says, yeah, you will. You know, it's how you go through the failure. How you deal with the failure doesn't validate who you are. But it does, it does validate what you don't know. And here's Peter. This is, uh, this is such an awesome story. What, what time am I supposed to be? Ooh, 11.40, huh? Ooh. Ooh, I got a lot of stuff here. Ooh. Wow. Okay, well, you know what? You know what that makes this? Part one of part two. Or part, we're on part one of part two. All right, so, so let's recap. Let's just do a little two-minute recap. Failure is a part of life, right? 
Failure does not define who we are as God's people. It defines what we just don't know in life. We should embrace failure as life's teacher, right? When we say, you know, the thing is like, it's not, oh, if I sin, it's like when you sin. Am I right? Is that a true statement? When I sin, you don't have to live in that junk, right? You don't have to live in it. When I sin, if I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me. Oh, that's too easy, right? That's just way too easy. It can't. There's a catch to this deal, huh? There's some kind of catch in the Old Testament. The reality of this is that we are going to fail. We have an enemy that wants to lie to us, really wants to kill us. We have to stay vigilant. Like Peter said, hey, man, hey, be alert, be on guard, because the enemy seeks, seeks to devour you. Right? Okay. Uh, I think Garrett's going to uh, sing the... Uh, Fear is a liar song again. Thanks for.